0: It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's interview was with my very talented friend, singer, songwriter, and performer Shandy Platsker. Shandy had been singing for years behind the scenes when a serious incident pushed her to go public and spread her wings. During our interview, Shandy talks about growing up with a sibling with special needs and talks about why she's super passionate about supporting children and adults with special needs. She also shares why she decided to create an Instagram account and become more public with her singing and talks about the frightening event that almost changed her life and her mindset for always staying humble and recognizing that it's all a gift.
1: I actually grew up in England. I grew up in a little town called Gateshead. It's near Newcastle. And uh, as a kid, I had like a very funny personality. I was just always dancing. Always dancing and always just bringing out my personality, Um, a little bit kooky, and I just had these weird, funny things that I would do that my family still makes fun of to this day. And I also had a really shy side to me. Um, I was very shy around strangers, and yeah, I don't know. I was I was always shy at the Passover, uh, you know, the Passover table. I was nervous to like get up and sing in front of everybody, and um, it's pretty ironic because. I flipped in personalities completely. I'm probably the least shy person that I know. So that was pretty, it's a pretty interesting flip. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in England. I grew up right near my grandparents. I'm a very family oriented girl, and I grew up down the block from my grandparents, who I love dearly. And my family, just in general, had a very close connection to my family, extended family. And um, my oldest brother was born with special needs. And at the time, back then, it was about, I would say 15, 20 years ago, a little less, maybe I think 17 years ago or so, there was very little in terms of services for special needs children in the United Kingdom. And my parents made a very bold decision to pick up and move to America because they heard that America had services for children with special needs. So in middle of the year, it was February. It wasn't like, oh, after the summer, it was like in middle of the year, we're going to pick up, we're going to go, and we just moved to Brooklyn, so... Hi, everybody. Shandy is now living in Brooklyn. I must have been, I think, about seven years old at the time. Um, I was in the first grade, and I came as a new girl to uh, a new class in a new country. I spoke differently. I didn't know the culture. Um, it was very interesting to me. It really was interesting. I don't think I'd ever been in America, ever. So I came as the new kid. Um, interestingly enough, I lost my accent within three weeks. People always ask me about that. like...
0: What? how how did you manage to do that <laughs>
1: how good question so um how I'm not really sure why I can tell you I came into a new class and I had a very thick English accent and the kids in my class just literally could not understand a word that I was saying and I'm a very social person so that was really hard for me I was trying to have conversations with them and they were always they'd always say like what what did you say what did you say eventually I was like okay I'm just gonna have to learn this accent so I did and you know how long it took me it took me three weeks it's pretty hilarious um three weeks in to being in America I came home and I said man I have an American accent and she's like oh please but you know what it took me three weeks and I did I learned it and uh, I think I do a pretty good American accent
0: (laughs) it's wow it's pretty amazing it could not have been easy
1: thank you I'm just gonna like Pat my younger self on the back for a second. I don't know. I don't know how I managed to do it, but it's interesting. Like where it came from, that it was like a social pressure thing. But yeah, and then and then I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years, and then uh, I moved to Muncie, Rockland County, where I've been living for the past. I don't know. I'm not good with math. 14 years, 15 years. Um, and yeah, as a child, I mean, I was always, I was always very into music and dance. Um. In school, ironically, I was actually always in dance more than music. I was always in the dance classes and the dance productions, and my family, my extended family, is extremely musical. And I always, I always wanted to do something with that, you know, with that side of me that was musical. But I didn't really think there was a place for it. I really did not think that there was a place for it. And um, it took me until very recently, which we'll talk about a little later, but it took me until very recently to just. Be like, okay, this is what I want to go for and I'm I'm gonna go for my dreams and we're gonna do it. So uh
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing because look at you now, inspiring thousands of women and girls with your singing. <laughs> so where does your brother with special needs fall in the family? Is he younger than you?
1: No. So my brother's older than me. He is he's twenty eight. And under him I have another brother who's twenty seven. Then there's me. I'm twenty four. And I have a sister who's 22, a brother who's 16, a sister who's 14, and a sister who's 12. And I'm so impressed that I remember all their ages. Oh, my goodness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive. (laughs) How did growing up with a sibling with special needs impact your childhood and your life? Was it hard?
1: So it's funny because I actually am a person who has a horrible memory. I have a really bad memory, and I don't remember things well. So sometimes I'll say something, and then my sister will be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not how it went down. Very recently, I spoke about this on my page, and I did, um, of course, focus on the positives, but I think it's because I like to focus on the positives in general as a person that sometimes I forget the pain of an experience, or I forget how something can actually be hard, or it was hard for me, and I just, I'm like, what do you mean? It was great. So I will say this much. Firstly, everybody with a special needs child or sibling has a different experience and a different story. So my story, my experience does not speak for anybody else's experience. Some people only have positive things. And if I say something negative, they may not relate to that. And some people might just have a really, really hard and painful experience having a special needs child or sibling. And when they hear me speaking about it in a positive light, they may not relate to that either. So I will say before I say anything, everybody has their own experience. And I don't speak for anyone else's experience. I'm speaking for my own experience and my own perspective. Um, that being said, I think being born into it, and having always grown up with it is very different than having it added into your life later on. So I grew up, this is what I knew, you know, I, I only knew a life with a special needs sibling because he was older than me. Um, it's not like I had a childhood for 10 years and then all of a sudden had this added into my life, which I think would have been, in my opinion, more challenging. So I think that was really a blessing for me as a child that I was able to grow up with him being the oldest child. Uh, For my parents, of course, it was not. They were young. My parents were 20 and 21 when they had him. They were inexperienced. They were unexpecting it. And it's, of course, very hard for, of course, a young parent to have that, to go through that experience. But um, yeah, so I grew up with it. And like I said, in England where I lived, there was very little. And I also was young, so I didn't really understand much of what went on then. And I was just used to Sometimes he would say things that were inappropriate to strangers. Sometimes he would have seizures. Um, And I was just, I was used to it, honestly. It just, when I say, by the way, sometimes he would have seizures. I'm sorry, all the time he would have seizures. My brother suffers from an epilepsy disorder, um, which means that he has seizures. Well, he used to have seizures all the time. Not to thank God under control. Um, But that's A. He was also born with fluid in the brain, hydrocephalus, general brain damage, oxygen deprivation at birth. And just what we say in general, he's just generally brain damaged and special needs um he operates in some ways I would say it like as an eight year old in some ways he understands everything like the twenty eight year old you know man that he is, but he loves to play train tracks with me, and he has the sense of humor of i would say like an eight year old maybe um but in some ways he's mature, so it's very confusing and he also looks he doesn't look you know really so special needs um So it is, it is a very interesting balance, but anyways, going back. So, because, you know, so, you know, I did grow up with a lot of just different things going on that I was used to. Obviously, as a child, as I became more aware of the world around me and social things around me, I started to realize that he was different and I started to notice the differences and it was hard. Um, It was definitely very hard for me, you know, it was embarrassing at times if he would have a tantrum. Um, you know, in a public area, especially, this is more when I was a teenager, that was really hard for me. You know, we would be, we were in an airport, and he gets very scared by security, and he slapped the security guard. Wow. And <laughs> we were very lucky that she was forgiving, and she was understanding that when we did explain that he was someone who has special needs, she understood. But there have been people who don't understand, or there have been people who, aren't patient with him or don't treat him you know the way that he deserves to be treated and as a child growing up as someone who loves my brother so much that was always really painful to watch and of course there were parts that were just embarrassing if I would have a friend over again like especially this really applied when I was a young teenager and I was maybe less confident when I was like maybe 12 13 I would have a friend over and he would do something that was embarrassing it was hard for me it was really hard for me and I wasn't always sure that my friends would accept him Or understand and some of them didn't some of my friends just would comment they would say things that hurt me about him especially because I'm so loving of him and I'm so close to him that I get defensive for him so it was it was hard there were there were challenges um but I'm very grateful that firstly obviously as I got older you know one thing that I'm really grateful that I've you know been able to work on and come through with is that I just don't care I don't care you know if if you don't think that he's great, that doesn't bother me because I think that he's great. And if you if he says something that just irks you as different and you just don't know how to deal with it, that's okay because I know how to deal with it. And it, it doesn't bother me at all. On the contrary, I'm at a point where I'm so proud of him. i I look at him and he's a person that I learn from in so many ways. I know that he understands, you know, when we say, Oh, Dave, you have special needs and he knows and he jokes about it and sometimes he'll even say, don't do that. I'm, I have special needs. <laughs> That's um, so funny. And because he understands a lot, he swallows so much. And he, he, he blows my mind all the time with the amount of patience that he has with people, with just who he is as a person. It's incredible. And he's taught me a lot, of course, throughout my life. Because like I said, growing up with it, I learned a lot of lessons on patience. He does not have the ability to understand the word No so for example just a little thing i actually sleep in the room right next to him so we're buddy buddies all the time and um the second he comes home from his program he asks me to turn his his you know his video screen on there's no such thing as saying no because he doesn't understand that so if i'm on a really important phone call or i'm in the middle of doing something that i was working on it stops and i go do it for him because he doesn't have the ability and it's taught me so much as a person just having that just having that in my life that sometimes that's how things work and sometimes you just have to put things aside for other people it's been such an incredible life lesson for me um going back because i just completely just flew off to the side um so like i said as a as a teenager it was it was really hard for me it was yeah it was hard there were embarrassing moments there were times where other people and I think it boiled down to really that I think that if we grew up in a world where everybody was accepted no matter what they did what they said what they looked like why would it why would I be bothered I think it all boiled down to how other people viewed him and how I felt that other people were viewing him and um, I'm very grateful that over time the world has become really much more accepting and understanding of children and adults who have special needs but there obviously are people that don't um you know that don't understand it that don't treat them the way that they should be treated And it it's really hard for me I'm gonna be honest it's something that really bothers me it's it's something that I'm very passionate about and of course you know growing up with a child in my family who has special needs and by the way I'm very careful to say that I'll never say that he's my special needs brother he's not my special needs brother
0: yes I love that you mentioned that yeah this is something that I consciously try to do. It's so important not to define people by something that affects them.
1: That's great, yeah, I think it's important that we don't define people by something that is a part of them or, you know, he's not a special needs person, he's a person who has special needs and that's very important to me. Um, I'll randomly slip and say he's a special needs child but he's, he's not. Um, but going back, what I was saying was is that something that's really been interesting for me is that I've noticed that other people have to actually learn to deal with this idea of people are different, but we should still treat them with respect or people are different, but they still deserve love, Or people are different, but they still have feelings. I think because I grew up with it, I was so used to this concept that it doesn't matter how people look. It doesn't matter how much money someone has. It doesn't matter how capable somebody is. That doesn't define their worth. It doesn't define their being worthy of love and being worthy of the benefit of the doubt, being worthy of respect. It's so not about that. It's more just they're a human being. And by nature, they just deserve love. They deserve respect. They have feelings. And it doesn't matter what they look like, what they can do or cannot do. So that was a very interesting lesson for me growing up. And i it actually kind of shocks me when people don't know that. Because I just, I always, I always knew that because I grew up with it. But it's interesting because having grown up with a sibling who had special needs and being passionate about kind of wishing I could get on a stage and just tell the world, like treat him properly, don't stare at him and just love him. He wants to be loved just like anybody else. It kind of made me put that into action. And I, as a 12 year old child already was looking out and saying, what can I do besides for obviously loving my brother, but what can I do to help other people who have this in their family. And at the age of 12, I actually joined an organization that um, supports children who have special needs. And that's so funny. I was so young, come to think of it. But I was so desperate to do anything that I could. So I joined a summer program when I was 12 as like, probably, I think they did me a favor by allowing me in, (laughs) honestly. Who would allow a 12-year-old? I was probably like some sort of like junior, 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 junior counselor And I would go and I went to their summer program. It was two weeks. It was a day camp program here in in Muncie in Rockland County. And it was 10 to 3. I remember I would come home exhausted. But it was amazing because we got to give the best time to these children who had special needs and don't always have, you know, places to go where they can have fun or places to go that are accessible, wheelchair accessible. And I loved it. And I loved being able to firstly provide that fun atmosphere that I really wanted for my brother um for other children and I also um I love that when we were out in public places I was able to kind of like put that out there and like be proud of these children in a public forum and in a public place and kind of almost like silently speak out to this thing that I'm passionate about which is treating everybody the way that they should be treated, no matter what they look like or what they can or cannot do. And it started there, and then since then I've been involved with, I mean, it's 12 years later, I'm 24, and I have so many different people in my life that I wouldn't name a just privacy-wise, but that I go and visit them, I love to take them out, and I love to FaceTime them when I don't have the time to, you know, give them attention one-on-one, but I, I really love to do all I can you know, to be involved with um, children or adults that have special needs and just to be a person for them that gives them love and treats them with proper respect and just treats them like every human being deserves to be treated. So I have, you know, I've I've been a part of many different organizations over the years. Um, I go on weekend retreats, I do summer camps, I do, you know, different programs just to really try my best and, and give these children the love and the care that they deserve and that it's not always available so much in the world. So that's A. B is that I just try really in whatever way that I can to try and create some sort of awareness and to, you know, just that's it, create an awareness that everybody deserves to be loved no matter. So I really just try to do whatever I can to create an awareness and creating an awareness is not always by words it's sometimes just by action it's the way that you talk about you know the way that i try that i I speak about people who have special needs i hope that it affects people i hope that it makes them more comfortable with it um but yeah the world really has come so far in the way that children with special needs are treated i don't even want to talk about what, what used to happen many years ago but they were they were really discriminated against back then and it's it's very it's amazing to see how far the world has come and how far everyone has just become much more accepting and that now it's you know, it's okay. It doesn't matter what your abilities or disabilities are. You're amazing just the way you are and and you're deserving of love. And, you know, we'll talk about soon my music platform. But knowing that I have that ability, I don't wanna give too much away because it is a surprise, but I have a major, major project that I'm gonna be launching in a few months, God willing. Um to promote this it's a whole music project but it's much more than just music it's it's gonna be big i'm really excited for it and the 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 theme and the point of this project is going to be promoting that people and children with special needs just have feelings just like you do and they're human beings just like you and whatever emotions you think you have if you get scared they also get scared you wish you had more love they also wish for more love you look being with friends. They also love being with friends. You love laughter. They also love laughter. And sometimes people forget that because they're scared off by the exterior and they forget what's on the interior. So that's a very big, like, it's something I've always wanted to do. And now that I have a music platform, and I'm so grateful for the ability that I'm able to do that. That's uh, something big is going to be coming, God willing, in a couple of months. And I'm excited to share it with everybody.
0: Right. I love how you mentioned that they have feelings and dreams just like the rest of us actually I have a friend who has Aspergers and she's very high functioning. Oh wow. And it's so hard when people treat her differently because she knows that she doesn't know. You know what I mean? And that's the hardest thing.
1: Those are those are the hardest. Totally. Totally. And that's the hardest in a certain sense is those who do understand that they're different and they don't want to be different. I'm close with somebody who's like that. She knows that she has special needs and she doesn't want it. She just she doesn't like that. She's not able to do everything. And people view her that way. And she's able to notice it. She's able to notice the way that you speak to her like a baby. Don't speak to her like a baby. She understands you. And, you know, it's very, it's sad. But what does give me hope is those people who um, who, who know this. Who know that special, you know, people and children with special needs are so much like you. And they're so deserving not just deserving, but there's, they want that love. They want that respect just as much as any other human being. And sometimes we're just clouded by the exterior. We see something, we freeze, we assume something. Oh, they look this way, so it must be they don't understand this. or they. And sometimes they can't, by the way. Sometimes they're not able to understand it, whatever. Um, another thing, by the way, that's really, really uh, interesting and that I've spoken to a bunch of people about recently as I'm getting this project on the ground is the way that the, the parents are so hurt. You know, the parents the parents and the siblings are so hurt when they, you know, someone, you know, they won't include a, a child who has special needs in their game or, or they say something that's insensitive and it's so hurtful for the family members. And that's part of why I hope that if I create more of an awareness of this, there's going to be less of that. So, you know it's important.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. Thank you. (laughs) So was it a childhood dream of yours to become a singer? Like, was this something that you always wanted to do? Because I know I've definitely heard your voice before I knew your name and recognized your face, you know? So like, what made you decide to show your face and start an Instagram account?
1: It's so interesting that you say that because it's it's such an interesting story. Well, what happened was is that You know, I will be honest, and this is going to shock people, for many years and sometimes still today, I just viewed and sometimes view my voice as average. And it's not because I don't have confidence. Thank God I'm a very confident person. But sometimes I'm just listening and I'm like, what? Why is that? Like, I really sometimes feel like that. Like, so, you know, for for a while, for a long time, and sometimes even now, I didn't really view my musical talent or my vocal capability as anything special. Um, I knew that I could sing. I knew that I enjoyed to sing. I knew that I was able to harmonize. I kind of thought everybody was able to, honestly. Um, I knew that I was able to play things by ear. But, you know, I don't know. I just, I could sing and most people could sing. And that's really what I viewed it as. And I was more of a dancer as a child, actually. Like I said earlier, I was, so I was really, I was always in the dance productions. I was much more of a dancer than a singer. And um, yeah, I just didn't really view it as anything major. And I think sometimes we do that to ourselves. We have something within us and we're just like, yeah okay this is cool and that's it that's all we think about we don't really it's not that we don't believe in ourselves it's just we're so used to what we have that we just don't view it as extra we don't view it as like this is extraordinary um and then what happened was when i was maybe like 15 14 around that age um i was at a friend's house she had a home studio and we were actually waiting for a ride and she was like oh you want to record something for fun and i was like sure and there was this tinkerbell song that i loved about friends so you know I, I i was like okay i sang it into the mic a couple of times uh she sent and then we went on our way and she later that night she sent me the bounce file and i was like oh it's actually pretty cool okay so i was like you know what, i'm gonna come back in i'm gonna fix it up and yeah. yeah very nice and that's what i did it was called the gift of a friend
0: um <laughs> it's, by demi lovato yeah that song and it was from Isn't it a great song? Yes, it was one of my favorites growing up. I love it. I
1: think. Well, I'm glad that we agree on that. I loved that song, and I still do. Um, And yeah, I mean, I just, I recorded it. I sent it out with this mushy email to all of my friends with this whole poem of how amazing they are. One of my friends recently sent it to me, and I was cracking up. I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It was so funny. And I sent out the song to a bunch of my friends. And then something happened. I don't know how or why it happened, but it just went everywhere to the point where I would get into people's cars and they were playing it and they had no idea that it was me, which was by the way the best thing ever. I'll talk about that in a minute. Having no face. Oh my gosh. That was incredible. Um, but what's interesting to think about is how it's incredible how that spiraled because it wasn't up on any musical platforms. I didn't put it on iTunes. wasn't out on a CD. It was only through email and it just went really far out within the community. Um, and I even now, I still go, oh my goodness, that was you? I listened to that song my whole high school. I love that song. It was very funny. And I think that song, um, you know, my friends really boosted me up. My family boosted me up. They were they were all like, wow, this is amazing. And I, again, I wasn't like, I didn't view it as anything extraordinary, but it was cool. And I was like, this is great. And it started to become a hobby of mine, where just for fun, I would, you know, run into Brooklyn to my friend who lived there, and I would just record songs for fun. Um, and... You know, I I did a bunch of songs then, I did a song for my mother's birthday, and a bunch of different songs, until my parents actually said, you know, maybe this isn't something that you want to do, that you want to have at home, and I'm so grateful that they did that, because that was a huge part of spiraling into what I have today, but they very graciously said, we're going to get you your own home studio, so you don't have to keep going into Brooklyn, and they did, I remember I made that trip to Sam Ash, the greatest music store, and... Came home with all this stuff and it took me like days to set everything up. But then I started, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and looking back at those mixes, they were so so bad and saddicky and unprofessional that it's hilarious when I pull them up. And it's kind of funny for me that people have them, but um, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I started just for fun. I would, or I wrote a song about like cookies one day during during class with my friend and we came I came home and I just recorded it for fun and sent it over to her and I would start doing things for fun and then people started to hire me Um, and obviously over the years I grew in my you know capabilities as a recording artist and an engineer Um, and I really started out knowing very very much just the basics and I, I took some online courses and I would you know ask people advice but most of my recording knowledge is really just from experience and from playing around um, but yeah, at the time that people started hiring me for little things and I was, I don't know, probably charging them like a hundred dollars for the entire production. And I thought that was incredible, um, which it was by the way, back then, pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, over time things spiraled and then I started doing sleepaway camps. Um, and then things got taken to the next level. Um, what happened was, is that I went to... An incredible sleep boy camp as a staff member in the year 2013, I believe it was. Um, the camp is Ura's camp, the zone. It's an incredible, incredible camp. I went there as a staff member, and that's where I met someone who's a very big part of my life right now, Shami Dar. So some of you listening might know Shami Dar. She's an incredible person with a super infectious positivity and a love for life. And I'm very grateful because people always ask me to this day. People think that we're sisters because we're very close. And people always say, how would you get so close with her? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really know what happened. We just clicked really, really well that summer. And I beca- we just became really, really close. And it's funny because she's so much older than me. But we have such a really, like, leveled out friendship. It's really incredible. I'm very grateful for her. And she, that summer, you know, we jammed out all the time. We used to sit at the piano and jam out together. She's very musical she has a great appreciation for music and she kind of like handpicked me she was like i love your tone i love your style i want to put you in something and so the zone Ubers camp they always do this big production every year like the theme song of the camp and it's a massive production it's like a huge huge really well done song and they hire the best of the best um and they uh she was very involved there because she was the program director and she said This coming year, I want you to be a vocalist on a song. I'm so excited. I still remember when she, like, texted me that. I still remember that was, like, such an exciting moment for me. And that was my first experience in a really professional studio, Ellie Grissner's studio. Um, And, yeah, I came in, and that year I was just a vocalist. And that was really the start to my professional career in music because that was my first professional experience in the music world, getting to work with real proper musicians and proper... Um, engineers and, and producers it was really cool and I still remember probably it was probably shaking when I was there the whole time It was just so in awe of everything that was there um, and then yeah that's what happened and at the time we had a very big team who, doing the song so there was someone who was a lyri- who wrote the lyrics and there was somebody who did more of the, uh, the arranging and then there was someone that worked more on the vocals and there was the actual producer it used to be a big team and over time over the few you know over the past few years um different people from the team left the team just for different reasons they moved out you know they moved or they just they weren't able to do that anymore and over time it dwindled down to me just me because eventually shemi did leave the zone um and that summer i was very confused what who's doing the song and i called the producer Arlie grossner and i said who's who's doing it? I guess it's me. <laughs> so it was down to me to really do the whole thing. Um, and that's really when my creativity came into play. And that's when I was able to, you know, really do something big that I want to do. And I I have such a huge brain when it comes to music. My brain is like all over. I have like, I'm always thinking music. When I'm in a Zumba class, I'll be hearing a song And I'm like, that would be great for this and this. Or I'm talking to someone and I think of a great I say something and I'm like, that's that's a great lyric. My brain is constantly thinking music. So to be able to have this incredible um, experience where, you know, they were hiring me to do this incredible song, full-blown production, it was was such an incredible experience. And that's really where it started in terms of being, doing professional songs. Um, But still, I wasn't putting anything of my music out there for a bunch of reasons. So Reason number one is that I don't think I was confident. I do not think that I had the confidence. Even though I was confident in my, you know, as a personality, thank God I'm a confident person. And I was pretty confident back then t- as well. But I just wasn't confident in my talent to believe that I had what it took to make it out there. That was first. Second was that, so I didn't feel that there was a space. I just didn't know that within our community, um, as the Jewish community, I didn't think that there was really a place for you know, religious female singers. I just didn't think that there was an opportunity for me. I didn't think that I would be successful. I didn't think that it was something that was needed or wanted. And I honestly thought it would a little bit be frowned upon. I really was nervous about that. Um, and then I just, I don't know, I didn't have the push. I didn't have the confidence and I didn't, like I said, I didn't think that it was necessarily going to be wanted, needed or do well. So I I didn't, I didn't do it. And then, Slowly over the past few years, within the Jewish female community, female singers have started to pop up and make it and really fill a void um, of something that's so necessary within the religious Jewish community to have music that speaks about our religion and, um, I, it, you know, and just people that are religious can relate to, um, and. That being said, I still didn't think that I was good enough. I really did not think that I was good enough. I always say we are our worst and best critics. We so often don't believe in ourselves when we really have what it takes. And not that I'm saying that I have what it takes, but <laughs> you know, it, it's. It, oh, thank you. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, but but um, that yeah. And then there was always that push. There was always that push of people saying, go, put your music out there. And honest truth, I'm glad that I didn't back then because I don't think that I would have had the experience that I have now and I wouldn't have put myself out so professionally like I'm able to do now with the experience that I have. So I'm grateful for that. So I do have a lot ahead of me still and I'm still very much at the beginning of my game and I'm excited that I have hopefully many years ahead of me to really expand what I'm doing now. And I know that I'm going to look back in five years and also in six months and be like, oh my goodness. I was so unprofessional or whatever you know we all I always look back and I am able to see my growth which is really nice honestly um even looking back honest truth like I was recently listening to a cover that I did a couple of months ago and you know it was fine but I'm like oh my goodness why didn't I do this what it's so funny how I do that all the time um but going back so you know I just I didn't know that i don't know but then what happened was i think it was really with the push of the people around me well firstly when i started seeing a void and i realized that there really is a need for more female religious jewish singers and that was the first thought in my head but i still didn't think that i had what it took and i still didn't think that i was going to be able to do it properly so i didn't go for it and then i had those people in my life and some of them um I mentioned before, Shami Dar, Bracha Jaffe, my family, of course, um, some good friends that just, they believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Um, and they just said, go for it. And that was a push, but it wasn't enough of a push. They were definitely constantly telling me, go for it, go for it, do it, do it, do it. It's so needed. It's so wanted. You're going to do great. And it, again, this didn't boil down to that. I wasn't self-confident. I just, I didn't have a, a really strong push to go and invest so much into this. Until a conversation that I had with Shamia Dar. Um, it was about a year ago. And She called me one night. I still don't know where I was. I was at my friend's house in Manhattan. And she just said to me, straight and simple, she said, God gave you something. You do not have a right to keep it to yourself. And that was honestly the moment my whole life changed. Um, you know, that just... Once, once it didn't become about me. Once it became about other people, she just started saying, "Think about the lives that you can impact. Think about the people that you could bring joy to with your music. Think about, you know, God gave you something. He didn't give it to you for no reason, you know. And that actually ended up inspiring the first song that I put out um, right afterwards. Um, he, you know, she, she, she just." It's a really important thing for all of us to remember, you know, God looks around at everybody in the world before he creates them and he gives you specific tools and what he gives you specific tools and specific gifts. And he says, let me see what you can do with that. Let me see how you can make the world a better place with the gifts that I'm giving you. And, you know, if when my life is over, I, I, I come up and I, you know, if I wouldn't have gone into this music career, I really think that it, God could have been like, We're, you know, you could have inspired thousands of people. I gave you something. You didn't use it. Or you could have encouraged or uplifted or brought joy to so many people through your musical talents. I gave it to you for a reason. Why didn't you use it? And that really was really a turning moment in my life and um, obviously in my musical career. So I sat down and I started saying, okay, she's right. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Literally right then and there, I just said, okay, I'm going to go for it. And I started planning. Um... And that gave me the the thought process that I was going to do it, but then the procrastination started. When and how and who and all the little details. And I was just taking my time. And then um, I'm also a perfectionist, somewhat. You know, I think we're all perfectionists in a certain way. But I it's not that I'm a perfectionist. It's just that when I do something, it's zero or a hundred. I'm not going to go out and start an Instagram page if I don't have professional. A professional photo of myself and I don't know what I want my first song to be I want to you know really come prepared and do something properly so I took my time and I kind of after a while just fell back into forgetting about it so then I was speaking to one of my friends and she's an incredibly talented artist um her name is Shira Lichtenstein and she had just sent me a picture of a painting she was doing and I was just blown away by her talent and I sat there and I said Shira you have to do something with your talent that you have you have to Take this and think how you can, you know, use it to spread joy to other people. Put, you know, your beautiful artwork in their homes. And, you know, I don't know. There's so much you can do. And you, you should really open an Instagram page and that way you can reach more people. And she was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, and then she said, And what about you? And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, you know, big talker, you have talent and you're not using it. Stop telling me to use my talent for good things if you're not using yours. So we kind of made a deal right then and there. I said, okay, I'll open my page. You open your page. We're going to do this at the same time. We're going to do it together. And uh, I hung up the phone and I was so inspired. I sat down and I started writing lyrics. And I started thinking about this concept of not always having the confidence to do things. And that's sometimes why we don't do things. So I started envisioning a forest. And I was thinking about the different sounds that fill a forest. And, you know... Whoever's listening right now, you could just close your eyes and just for a minute picture that you're in some sort of like big rainforest and there's so many sounds. There's, you know, the the leaves are making noise and the wind and then there's, of course, the squirrels and there's the birds and there's all types of birds. And there's the little rustling of the bugs moving around and there's the maybe the little raccoon that's not so welcome. I don't know. (laughs) But there's all different sounds that make up that sound of a forest. So obviously a very big part of what fills the sound of a forest is that bird chirping noise, right? It's like a very relaxing sound to hear all the birds. Now think about it for a second. Does every single time that you hear a bird, does it sound exactly the same? No, there's so many different types of birds. They each make their own sound. There's the hummingbird. There's the, uh, I don't know, I'm not so knowledgeable with bird names stuff. But, you know, there's all different types of birds. And every bird makes their own sound. And every part of the forest makes their own sound. And then I started thinking, you know, And this is the lyric that I wrote. If only the best of birds would fill the forest with song, there'd be an emptiness. Avoid a lifeless sunrise at dawn.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Very poetic.
1: Very poetic. Um, (laughs) And I started thinking about that. I said, you know, obviously a big part of why I think I was holding back is because... I was looking at all the different singers, and I'm like, well, I don't have that ability to go super high like her, or I don't have that experience like she does, and I was starting to compare myself, which is shocking, because I'm a person who always works on not competing and not comparing. That's also something I learned a while back, and something that I always stand by, we don't compete or compare. So important, by the way. Um, And that also, by the way, was told to me by one of my really good friends, so crediting her for that. But um you know i started to realize it's okay you know everybody is a different sound and everybody adds to the mix in their own way and you don't have to be like everybody else you don't have to be able to reach that note like her you don't have to have that tone like she does and that's okay and i think that's really when i said okay i'm gonna go for it so there was actually a song called read all about it and the concept of the song was um you know the words the song starts you've got the words to change your nation but you're biting your tongue and that's really what the song was about and I was kind of really speaking to myself and I was so emotional when I sang it I did the cover put it out started my Instagram page boom boom bam bam I don't know eight months later somehow I'm here and I'm so grateful because I know that none of my success is really my doing everything is in the hands of God and everything is really obviously also up to your audience and I'm so so grateful that something that could have just started off and not done well, thank God it's been a it's been a really special road for me so far, and it went very fast. It just jumped really really fast um, in a way that I was not expecting it to. And if you would have told me a year ago, uh, I mean, coronavirus and everything aside, but if you would have told me a year ago where I would be right now, I would have laughed. I what singing on stage and doing concerts and putting out really professional songs and huge music videos that have 150,000 hits on YouTube. I mean, I never would have believed you because that was not a thing that was going to happen. And it's it's ironic, firstly, but it's something that I'm so grateful for and I never expected. Um, and, you know, to me, I think what what is important to me is to always stay in check and to stay humble. And this is something that once everything did start to, you know, blow up for me, even many years ago when I would get compliments, you know, and people would say, um, you know, oh, you're such a great voice or, you know, you're so talented. I remember as a young kid being unaware, like, how do I respond to that? So obviously I first did what every typical, you know, young kid says, nah, 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 not true, because that's how they react because they don't know what else to do with themselves. And then I started to internalize and I say, okay, uh, thank you so much. But then I, I took something upon myself. I was young. I was maybe 14 when this happened. And I watched other people who allowed things to go to their head, and I watched other people—not just musicians or singers, but just general people—who succeeded in something and they credited themselves, and they really allowed it to go to their head, and they became arrogant people, and they—they they felt this like sense of, "I'm holier than thou, I'm better than other people." And I sat down for a second and I said, "Hold on, if somebody is rich or somebody's beautiful or somebody's talented." That's something that was given to them by God. It's not something that they, like, necessarily worked for. And obviously, yes, within our talents and within what we're given, we do obviously work on them to make them, you know, better. Um, You know, you can work on your vocal talent. You can work really hard to make a lot of money. But everything is from God. So at any given moment, he could take this away from me. And who am I after all that? So why why would I feel better than somebody else? Because my vocal cords work well. I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense. So, and I wanted to make sure that that was going to stick with me because I knew that, you know, it could get to your head when you start being recognized publicly and people start looking up to you and you're like, hey, that's so cool. You know, maybe I am cool or maybe I am, you know, worthy of this incredible experience. Well, okay, scratch that. Maybe I am, you know, maybe I am amazing. That could really get to your head. And I took upon myself as a young child to almost like by rote spit back that whenever I would get any sort of compliment, I would always say, thank you so much. It's all from God or thank you so much. It's all from above. And I would say that for two reasons. I would say it for them and I would say it for me. I would say it for them, obviously, to just kind of like create a separation. Like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And then also like, it's not me. It's God. You know, that there's no reason to view me as anything more special just because of a capability that I was given. And that was important to me. And then obviously, almost most impo- maybe even most importantly, for myself to kind of remember that, Shandy, just remember, it's all from God. It's not you. And I thought that was something that's so important to the point where my phone has, you know when you are typing in something, you type the word like, and the three suggested words will come up are like the words that you type most commonly after that. Yeah. So whenever I write the word all, my phone automatically will say, from God. Because it's so used to me texting it to people, whenever I get any, you know, messages, I'll just say thank you so much, and I, you know, and then I'll say it's all from God. So I'm I'm grateful for that because that means that I'm staying in check. But I think that's something that's so important to just stay humble and remember that it's something that was given to you by God, and it's something that, you know, just, you shouldn't let to get to your head. So that is important. So obviously a huge step here reaching you know the public world and reaching other people was creating an instagram account um and that way i'm just able to reach people that are not near me and i'm able to connect with people and i think when people connect with you and they're able to you know know more about you and just like i said just connect with you emotionally then they're more invested in your product and in what you know when you put out a song they feel it so much stronger because they feel like they know a piece of you uh, so creating an instagram that creating an Instagram account was probably the best thing that I did for my career. It enabled me to connect with other singers. It enabled me to connect with other artists and other marketing people and different people in the business. And it enabled me to kind of create like a great way to connect with my audience and to keep them updated. I show them behind the scenes when I'm going to record something and I tell them about my thought process when I'm writing a song. And I, it's such an incredible platform and, you know, thank God it's, it's grown. I'm, just heading into almost nine thousand followers, which is pretty pretty cool. And uh, you know, when I started my account in March, so let's see, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, yeah, like eight months. Yeah, and it is a private account also, so you know, I I I'm not discoverable on like other like like explore pages or anything, and I can't like be tagged in a lot of things, but it's pretty cool. And again, like I said, I don't credit myself. It's, I'm just grateful that that's what happened, but it, it's not me. <laughs> um, and I think, um, that Instagram is so, you know, obviously everything in this world could be there, could be used for the worst things and the best things. And I'm not gonna, you know, just say Instagram is incredible in every single aspect. I know that there is obviously, of course, that it's not for everybody. And I know that for some people it can be damaging. And I'm going to just say right off the bat, if it's not a good place for you to be, don't, don't be there. That's okay. Um, you know, take care of yourself. That's more important than anything else, but I'm just grateful for the platform. And I just, it's so amazing for me to be able to connect with people through this virtual platform. And especially I actually started my career about two weeks before America shut down on Instagram and, you know, coronavirus time, you know, with COVID and everything going on, it's been like the age of virtual, you know? So, I kind of got in right at the right time and I'm really grateful for it and you know it's 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 also obviously amazing to be able to connect with my audience because I'm able to hear what they want I'm able to hear what they need what they're looking for and I'm able to connect with all of them as as people um and it's really amazing and I try really my best to use my platform and my musical career really just in general I try to have this view of like how can I use what God gave me to benefit other people how can I inspire other people through my music how can I uplift them how can i encourage them how can i bring joy into their lives and that's always my focus with my music um and with my instagram page in general um so so that's that's pretty cool and uh, you know i'm I'm just i'm grateful for the for the for the platform
0: yeah instagram has connected me with so many wonderful people like you you know that's how we became friends through instagram through this platform thank
1: you oh that's how we met
0: perfect example everybody this is
1: how we met. I started following Nahami. And of course, I was blown away by how, you know, you're not just a makeup brand. You're not just a beauty company, but you're so much more than that. And there's so much soul and 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 empowerment that's involved in your company. And I was like, who's this girl? She's so cool. And then I don't know what happened. We just hit it off somehow. And 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 look at us.
0: Now we're doing a podcast. Absolutely. There are pros and cons to everything.
1: Completely. Right. That's what I say, you know, it bothers me when people say, oh, this it's bad or this is good. Nothing that's put on this world is inherently good or bad. Everything has the capability for incredible goodness and for really bad things as well. And it's just, you know, obviously, you know, with Instagram, I would say follow people that, you know, that, that bring happiness and positivity into your life and not people that make you doubt yourself or feel down because that's just inviting negativity into your life through Instagram. So, you know, that's important. And I think I keep that in mind all the time as someone who's on Instagram. And I don't call myself an influencer in the slightest, but I know that whatever I do post has an influence on people. Um, And it's very important to me, firstly, to stay real and just be like genuine and real and never put a show up because I think that's very important. If I'm, you know, in a bad mood or whatever, I just, I won't go on on Instagram, like, you know, or, or I'll share it, but obviously, but more than that, it's, I'm very careful to keep my page a very positive and light page. And by light, I don't mean that I don't get deep. I get deep, but I don't get negative. Um, and I think that's a very hard balance sometimes. And there's a few times where I felt like, is this going to rub people the wrong way? But um, thank God I'm able to make that distinction. And I do – it's really nice to hear from people a lot that they – you know, I did a, a poll recently asking a bunch of things. And I said, you know, something asking about, like, how, how did you hear about my page or something? And I got such like a really big common response was people were just saying like your page is so light and enjoyable and positive and every time I leave your stories I have a smile on my face and I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you. That's goal achieved because I want that. I think that's important for people to have like a nice, you know, positive place to turn to. So
0: yes, that's something that I love about your page, the positivity and lightness full of inspiration. Thank God. Thank God.
1: I don't know, like we have the ability to just add so much joy and positivity to the world. Everybody has the ability to just change the world one person at a time. And if we all make a a conscious decision to be good people and to impact the world and do what we can to make the world a better place and a happier place and a positive place, just a better place for all of us, imagine what the world could be like,
0: you know? Absolutely, for sure. So you mentioned to me how at one point recently, you lost your voice, and you weren't sure about ever getting it back. So could you tell me more about that? Like, mm-hmm. How did it change your perception of things?
1: So that's a really, really uh, – it's actually too much. I've never actually spoken about this publicly before. So <laughs> this is going to be the first time that I'm really saying it on a public platform. I was kind of nervous to talk about it because I don't know. I, I don't know why. It's not like something that's per- so personal. I've just – I've never spoken about it before. So here goes everybody. Secrets out. Um, I told you you know a while back how um a big part of of the inspiration of starting my music career was obviously the push from other people. What I didn't share yet because I wanted to share it here was that I actually had a major wake up call major major wake up call as about it was a little over a year ago, and that really this wake up call that I'm about to speak about right now was really what just was actually the real turning point and the real push behind why I'm doing what I'm doing right now so I spoke about a little bit earlier very briefly how I'm a big believer that everything is from God and therefore we can't allow any of our talents or any of our gifts whether like I said whether it's beauty or money or capability or talent we can't allow ourselves to be defined by that and I am so ever grateful to my younger self for working on that and internalizing that um you know as a child and as a teenager and even obviously now it's obviously always a work in progress I really 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 am constantly working on this thing where I don't allow myself to be defined by my musical capabilities because I always said this to myself and I always said you know when you die do you want to be remembered as someone who sang like is that what you want to remember no I want to be remembered as a kind person I want to be remembered as a giving person I want to be remembered as a positive person I want to be remembered maybe as someone who took my gift And used it for a good thing and inspired people through my talent. But to say that someone, when they died, oh, they had a great voice. That's a really sad thing to remember about somebody. I mean, that's not something that they did anything. They didn't do any work in that area. So I was very into that. And I've always, you know, created a separate separate piece of myself. That's the musical piece of myself. Because I just, I didn't want to be defined as a singer. And even now it's it's very important to me. And that's something that I worked on for many years and I always internalized and I always worked on and I still work on all the time. And like I said earlier, I'm also a very big believer that God gives everybody something for a reason and you have to look inside yourself, what do I have? How can I use it for the good? Now, those two things being said, um I, I do have, as you can hear, a little bit of a raspier tone to my voice, which by the way I'm so grateful for. I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Thank you. And, and going back to what we said earlier, by the way, about like the different parts, like the birds in the forest, I was so sure that like, until I have a high, sweet voice and I, until I'm able to do that, that it's just, it's not a good idea to do it. And I didn't realize like, what do you mean? There's a need for every single type of voice. And yeah, it took me a while to really embrace the raspiness of my voice and just be like, this is my style. This is my voice. And there's something great about it. Instead of trying to like cover it up, I would try so hard and. I would try to uh, you know, sing higher, be you know, have a different sound that I don't have and it took a while until I embraced my sound. But um and now I love it. I'm so grateful for the raspiness. So, um yeah, going back. So I always had a raspy tone to my voice. I always had a bit of a hoarse sound. I was always getting hoarse in camp, but to a very normal extent. I would get hoarse after a late night and a lot of screaming you know, in, in camp, and then uh I get it back two or three days later. Um and then one day last September, I woke up and I was really hoarse, like this type of horse. I can't talk. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, nothing was coming at my, at my mouth. And I just figured, okay, I probably had maybe a late night, I don't know. And okay, that was it. Now, what I didn't mention earlier is that I'm a teacher. So you said that my singing my singing career is reliant on my voice well guess what so is my day job (laughs) um I teach all day I teach the most adorable girls um I've been teaching for six years I love it I love you know being a teacher I feel like I have such an ability to impact young children and the way that they view the world the way that they treat each other the way that they view themselves um and I guess that's maybe a topic for a different time but oh my goodness I love my job it's something I never thought I would do but I love it and obviously as a teacher, what do you do all day? You talk. Um, I woke up in the morning, I couldn't I couldn't talk, so I okay. I you know, I let my boss know that I might need a little extra help. I don't know. And and that was that. Okay. Um a couple of days went by and I wasn't getting my voice back and I wasn't concerned. I don't know, I just I never heard of people like permanently losing their voice. So I uh that that was that. It was it was okay. Then as time went on and I started to realize there's something wrong here um I started to speak to people and they said you know maybe you should just get your your voice checked out because literally there was nothing coming out of my voice and even the few days when I would wake up with a voice it was like this it was so low and it was so strained I would talk for a little bit and then I was it was just gone um and it wasn't so frustrating at the beginning because I really thought it was going to be temporary and I thought it was going to come back So the first like week or two um my students were incredible they started learning how to you know, um, learn from my, my, my hand motions and, and my, 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 my lip reading, um, they, they would read my lips. And I had an app where I would like type and I had this big speaker. I would type something, thank goodness I'm a fast typer. I would type like, please take out your notebooks. And I'd press speak and the speaker would say, in a very robotic voice please take out your notebooks. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny at first. And my students actually nicknamed the speaker Jojo. And it was funny because at the end of the year, when we made a class yearbook, um, I accidentally put in a space for like, you know, to draw a picture of the teacher and the principal. And I put in a a space for the assistant teacher, which I didn't have one last year. And the kids were like, oh, we could just make a picture of Jojo, the speaker, because she was the assistant of the classroom. She really was. I wouldn't have made it through the year without her. Um, And I just want to take a minute and just give a really big, like, round of applause for my students. I don't know how they learned anything. They were amazing. They really, really were so great um, in such a hard situation. And I started looking around, and the people said, you know, you should get this checked out. And okay, so I scheduled an appointment with an incredible, incredible ENT, who I, I believe his like, specialty is voice, diagno- like, diagnosing voice disorders and different things. And I'm, I I can't say a thousand percent, but I believe that's what it- well I'll just say this much he was very highly recommended um his name is Dr. Peak Wu and he's located in Manhattan and they you know I set up an appointment for like it was like a week or two of a wait, and I was fine and you know I, I just I, I I kind of like viewed that as like my light at the end of the tunnel like as soon as I go there he could fix my voice and I'm gonna be good um yeah no that's not how it works number one <laughs> number two is that um I asked, like, what the procedure was going to be, and they said, oh, we're going to do a laryngoscopy, which is essentially putting a tube up your nose, down your throat with a camera while you're awake. I was so scared. I literally, like, couldn't sleep. I was so nervous. And by the way, I'm saying right now, anybody that does get a laryngoscopy or is getting one, don't be scared. It's really not major. I was just so, like, nervous about it before um, that actually, as my voice over that, like, week or so – um. Actually, I, I took a trip to Florida where actually the humidity is really um, dense. And I like, went to a sauna. I don't know what happened, but I managed to like get my voice back almost fully. So I actually canceled the appointment because I was so sure that my voice was now back and I didn't need that. Just a little public service announcement. If you can't talk for a month straight, your voice needs help. Even if you get it back, it doesn't mean anything like, oh, sure. You know, uh, yeah, no. And so I canceled the appointment and literally like a couple of days later, I lost the ability to speak again. And that was in October. And then I couldn't get an appointment for like months. Like when we called back to reschedule, they were like booked. And my appointment, I still remember, was January 19th. I held on to that day with every fiber of my being because that's when the frustration started. Um, so firstly, it was just, I cannot explain to you how much we take for granted the gift of speech and the ability to communicate with each other in such an easy way. Um, you know, you're thirsty, or you need to. You might have asked me the water, or you know, you're at a a party. I remember being at a party with my friends, and I'm really social, and I couldn't contribute to the conversation, and I couldn't talk, and I couldn't say anything. And I, my friends would come over, and it was a one-way conversation where they would talk, I would kind of like nod, and or type things out for you know type things out, and they would read my on my iPhone. They would read what I was writing, or I would use that little speaker app. The frustration was so so intense just not being able to communicate and obviously with teaching was very frustrating as well but just I would someone would call me on the phone and I couldn't answer the phone so I would have my siblings like pick up and they would say in a very super uh kitty and unprofessional way uh, uh uh um hi uh yeah uh, who's calling and I'm like no, no 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 you know there was that and there it was just there was that. There was the inability to teach. There was obviously anything music-related was completely on hold. I turned down many jobs and many gigs. And this is again, going back to before. I really went public, but I still was doing I, – I, I was doing other jobs. Um, and I was recording things, you know, for different organizations and or for schools. And it was pretty much just without a face. Um, and I, it, was, it was devastating. And I actually remember um, my mother works in the same school that I do. She's the principal of the uh, the preschool and the early childhood. sons are there, and she's by the way incredible. At what she does. And side point, I didn't even say this because it's such a given. But my family is the biggest support that I have. I can't even explain in words how grateful I am that they just they're they're the driving force behind everything that I do now, and it's incredible. And I'm so grateful for them. So guys, if you're listening, I love you. I'm sure they'll listen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really hope they're gonna listen. Um, and then, and then. Yeah, go back. So I remember going into my mom's office one day, and I just burst out crying. And I'm not a cryer, by the way. I I actually have a really hard time crying. Like sometimes I wish I could cry. I have a hard time getting my emotions out through crying. And I just burst out crying, and I just mouthed her. I can't do this anymore. It's just it's too much. It's just too frustrating. I can't. I was ready to quit my job. I was ready to just like give up. It was so frustrating and so upsetting to just not have the ability to communicate with anyone if I went to the store and I needed help or I wanted to know if they had that in a different size I couldn't ask the person in the store and if somebody asked me a question and I couldn't answer them they were like what's wrong with you why aren't you answering me and I would be like and nothing came out my mouth or I would like type like sorry I can't talk I don't have a voice it was so not functional it was so not I don't, but I think it's because speech is something we just take for granted that we can wake up in the morning and just say like, hi, good morning and just talk. We just take it for granted that we don't ever imagine what life is like when you don't have that. And um, obviously this was a huge wake up call for me in that I always took the ability to speak for granted. And now I have a thing where I wake up every morning and after I speak, I just say, thank you God for my voice. I'm like tearing up while I'm saying this, but I just say, thank you God. It's something that I've I took for granted. I just didn't realize. So that was that was the first thing. And, you know, it was such a wake up call that I just took it for granted. It really, really, really was. Um, And it was also a wake up call to what people who are mute, what they go through. I never thought about it until I was actually mute and I couldn't I wasn't literally mute, but I couldn't communicate. And of course, there were some days when I would get my voice back a little stronger, but it never lasted. And over weekend I was you know, trying my best to get my voice back. So I was on vocal rest. Even if I had a voice, I went on to vocal rest, which is just like when you don't talk at all. It was so upsetting to just not just not be able to be part of anything. And it was it was a very hard chapter of my life and it was it was just it was very frustrating, it was very upsetting and um it was just emotionally. It was a lot. It really was a lot. And then uh beyond that, beyond that major wake up call and what I went through. It was a big wake-up call for me in the sense that I said, I've always said this. You know, God gives you something and he could take it away at any given moment. And I kind of felt, you know, and it's, okay, this is my personal perspective, but I had so nothing that this is for sure, you know, what happened. But I kind of felt that God was saying to me, Chandy, I gave you a voice. I gave you a voice for 23 years. I'm sitting here waiting for you to do something good with it. You're not using it? Okay. I'll take it away. And... That really was the driving force behind really getting my music career started. I said, okay, God, I got the message. You know, you gave me a voice. I didn't use it to make your world a better place. I didn't use it to inspire people. I didn't use it to help people. Okay, message received. Um, I'm going to do it. And I actually, um, as obviously the day of my, my appointment, January 19th, the day was coming closer. And it was, by the way, so not a major appointment, but it was such a big day in my life because like I said... I felt like this was like the turning point in getting my voice back, possibly. Um, Before, the day before, I remember, and I was was speaking to someone and I said, you know, I don't know what the doctor is going to tell me. He could tell me, you have throat cancer. You have this and this problem. You have whatever the problem is. I'm really sorry, but you're never going to speak again. And I knew, I, I prepared myself for that mentally for weeks. I said, you know, I, I like to do that. I like to like, set myself up for things so that I don't have major disappointment. And I just said, okay, that's a possibility. And I said, God, I'm – okay, I know this is a possibility. I'm going to make you a little promise here. I promise you that if I go tomorrow to my appointment and they say, okay, you have the XYZ problem but it's fixable. And if I start to get my voice back, I promise you the minute I have the ability, the minute my voice is strong enough – I will go out there. I will use what you've given me for good things. I'll like return the favor, kind of like give me my voice back, please. I'll do good things with it. I'll I'll glorify your name. You know, I'll I'll spread your name in the world through religious music and through uplifting people and bringing people closer to you, um, through music. And I'll do everything in my power. I will. And that was like my promise. I'm going to sleep that night and being like. Oh. I could not sleep and the next day I went to the laryngoscopy to the you know to the appointment I got the laryngoscopy and he said you have growths on your vocal cords you have two massive massive growths um it's a pretty it's honestly a pretty common thing with singers it just depends like how severe they are they're called nodules um and you may have heard the term before because many singers have them um the question is where you go from there and what your recovery is so he said you know. You have the ability to have surgery, to have the, the, the nodules removed. Uh, but it's not suggested because the vocal cords, by the way, I don't think people know how tiny they are. Take like a penny and then draw the letter A and just that little like triangle, that's the size of your vocal cords. It's literally, they're so tiny and so delicate that he's like, I don't recommend surgery unless you really need it because there is a possibility we could damage your vocal cords more. So he said, let's try to do everything we can to you know, just shrink them on their own. And he obviously listed a bunch of different options for me. He said, well, not options. He said, these are the following things. If you want to get your voice back, you want to get rid of these nodules. And the nodules obviously weren't the only thing that I had. I had major silent acid, which is kind of like acid reflux without any of the physical symptoms. So I didn't realize that I had acid reflux, which is really bad for your voice. I had major, major swelling in my just vocal and nasal cavity. I had just so much stress going on there. Uh, Where did it come from? Good question. I'm not sure 100%. I know a lot of it was from just speaking very harshly and misusing my voice both when I was speaking and when I was singing. Beyond that, and and then obviously allergies and just having acid, all these things built up and then I don't think we're even sure to this day like what was the breaking point that made me just lose it completely. I don't know. But um, he gave me a bunch of options and the options were he said, firstly, you need to go for voice therapy and you need to be religious about it, um, you need to start drinking water. I was not drinking water enough, obviously, which is so funny because that's, like, the number one thing everybody knows. Um, and then he said, you need to take care of your allergies because your allergies are affecting, you know, the way that you, you you know, the way that your vocal cords are working in your nasal passages. And he also said, he's like, you need surgery. And that's when I was like, no, what? Surgery? No. Um, and he just explained to me that just the way that my it's – a, it's a very complicated – situation which I'm not really going to get into in detail here because I don't know who appreciates gory details and who doesn't um but I'm just going to say very very plain and simple is that I had major issues with the airways in my nasal cavity and my nose um and I needed to get that fixed via surgery um and it's it's you know it's a pretty major surgery I guess um (laughs) to uh to really be able to breathe properly and therefore put less strain on my voice obviously also I have a lot of congestion because of that, which also affects my voice. I also don't breathe properly in my sleep because of that, which affects my voice. I dry out my mouth. There's like a whole million bunch of components as to why I had that hoarseness and why I had those growths. But uh, yeah, so I started off, the first step I did was I went to see this uh, very recommended uh, surgeon and I scheduled surgery right away for two weeks from, was it two? It It was like a few weeks later, I scheduled surgery and I scheduled surgery. I was so nervous. I've thank God never had surgery in my life, uh, not that can I remember. I have when I was a little bit like very minor surgeries. I was just so nervous. That's kind of why I said like, let's take the most, the next available date because I just didn't get it over and done with. Um, and that was, that was a, uh, then I started seeing this incredible, incredible vocal therapist. Her name is Linda Carroll. She is, oh my goodness, a very big part of, you know, just changing my, my, my vocal capabilities, she right away, and by the way, if anybody listens to this, and he's a vocal therapist, highly recommend it. She's amazing. Um, she taught me so much in such a short amount of time, and she was honest, and she would be like, that's what I loved, by the way, that she was never like, oh, yeah, just come every week. She's like, oh, you don't need another appointment this week. Come see me in two weeks. She's so honest, and she's so, such a great person. Um, so I think the voice therapy was really the main point in getting my voice back. When I listened back to voice notes from before I started voice therapy to now, Oh my goodness, different voice, different voice. So there's the voice therapy, and I was starting to get my allergies under control and starting to just do different things. Um, and the surgery was scheduled and I, you know, the surgery was going to be a very big part of, uh, you know, of, of getting this fixed. And uh, my surgery was scheduled for March 20th, as many of you know, especially if you live in America, uh, that was the week where coronavirus really hit New York. Um, I think March 13th was when, like, all the schools started to shut down and... Uh, that boom, being boom, said... Boom, Surgery is cancelled. Um, I was devastated. I was so upset. It was like three days before the surgery and they cancelled it because you know, hospitals in New York were starting to cancel all non-emergent surgeries because the hospitals were filling up with coronavirus patients and um, that, was a little, that was really... It was upsetting to me because I was, like I said, that was kind of one of my lights at the end of the tunnel that I thought was really gonna really like help to fix my voice um, and I actually haven't rescheduled it yet because I'm just waiting for a good time. Um, recently, obviously, they, they did call me and say that I am able to schedule the surgery. Um, but I now am in a full, you know, full regular school year and I have a job, a day job. I can't just like randomly take off a bunch of weeks of work as a recovery. So I'm just waiting to find that. I, I think in a couple of months I'll be able to do it. Um, but until then, I've just been doing so much work on my voice. And really, it's in the hands of God. It really is so much in the hands of God that I have a voice and I do not take it for granted ever. And it's why I have such a mission and such, you know, I I have a mission with my music and it's, it's because I made a promise. And it's because I said, God, you give me my voice. I promise you I will do everything to uplift people and to, you know, to glorify your name through what you gave me. So I keep that in mind with every musical project that I do. Um, Whether it's, is this glorifying God's name? Or is this bringing people closer to God? Or is this just, making the world a better place because that that's what we all need is this uplifting people is this inspiring people is this giving people like a a hug through a song and that's actually the next song that i'm working on right now maybe by the time this podcast airs the song might be i don't know but i'm working on a song right now of just like a song of hope to give hope to people that just feel down and the song is called "Rise." It was uh, it was composed and produced by Ellie Gerstner and put out by a project called the Chizuk Project, which is really just a project to give hope to people who just need it. And let's be real, everybody has something. And recently, I uh, recently I I did a poll last week when I started introducing the project, and I said, you know, what are you going through? And I got the most heartbreaking responses. I got like 150 responses of just the most devastating things that people are going through, and things that you don't even think of, like juvenile arthritis and someone told me I have five siblings with autism. Someone told me I found out yesterday that I have cancer. The most heartbreaking things that are so hard to deal with. And everybody has something, you know, everybody needs strength and hope. And I think through music we're able to do that. So um yeah, I mean just going back and wrapping this up, the whole voice journey. Yeah, I lost my voice. I wasn't sure I was ever gonna get it back. I made a promise. I viewed this as a wake up call. And I just said, okay, I, I got to be grateful for what I have. Um, I, Not take it for granted. Not take it for granted and use it in the best way possible. And at the same time, of course, stay humble. Staying humble is something that's so important to me. And it's something that I just literally like remind myself about every single day and really try to internalize that it's not me. You know, God made my vocal cords work. It doesn't make me a better person than anybody else. Um, it's just important to, uh, you know, to
0: use it for good things. And that's my message to anybody. Well, this seems like the perfect time to ask you the question that I ask everyone to end off, which is what is something that you hope that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with?
1: Oh, my goodness. Where do I start? <laughs> um, I hope and maybe this is just off the top of my head because it's what I was just talking about, but I really hope that everybody will believe in themselves more. I hope that everybody will have confidence to go for their dreams and do what they want to do and believe in themselves. And I hope that everybody will also have the support system that they need to be able to accomplish their dreams. I hope that we don't have as many struggles, you know, because now we we need music to uplift us and to help us get through so many hard times. And I hope that the world is just a happier, easier place for everybody. Um, Obviously, my wish is just for, you know, everybody to just just have the happy, easy life that they deserve. And, you know, I'm an empath. I think we spoke about this a little earlier. I'm an empath. I feel really deeply for people. Um, And it hurts me so much to watch what people go through on a constant basis in so many ways. And I think that we just, you know, I hope that the world can also be a more loving and accepting place. And it already is. It's, it's, oh my goodness, the world has come so far. Everybody's amazing. Um, I just hope that everybody, you know, is able to look at, what they have and see how can I use this to make the world a better place and think about that. If every single person said, you know, it took 10 minutes to sit down and think like, what do I have? How can I really use this to my fullest to make the world a better place? The world would be full of so much good. And if we would obviously just, you know, remember that everybody, everybody has feelings and, and it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their abilities or disabilities are, but everybody wants to be loved. Everybody deserves to be loved. And, um, obviously, really my main imparting message to everybody is believe in yourselves. Believe in yourselves and be the change that you wish to see in the world. Because, just because, because the world would just, the world would be a better place if we all just try to make a little change here and there. And just, you know, they say like in that song, just a pebble in the water, you know, can make a wave. And I love that song. Um, everybody could be that little pebble and then eventually there could be a massive tidal wave. Whether it's a, a pedal sorry, a pebble of positivity everyone just throw a little more positivity and love out there and the world could just be the happiest most loving bubblegum pink place um or it's just you know using what you have your talents and and just just thinking waking up every day and just thinking how can I use what I have how can I use who I am as a person to just make everybody else you know have a better experience in this world because there are so many people that are suffering and really my message to everybody is just believe in yourself don't doubt yourself don't be so hard on yourself and if you're somebody who's listening right now and you you need a little love, you're amazing. And just remember that. You have so much potential. You have so much greatness. And, you know, you might not have what somebody else has. I know that sometimes we have that where we look at somebody and they're like, they have that. And don't focus on what other people have. Focus on what you have um, and what you can do to make the world a brighter and better place and how you can make the world a kinder place. And just, yeah, go for your dreams because you can accomplish things that you never thought you can. I, I guarantee it. I really can. And if you need a push, DM me on Instagram at Shandy music. It's a mouthful S H A I N D Y P L O T Z K E R music. And I'll give you the push. I believe in you. And I, I, I know that you can, I know that you can make it. I know that you can go far. And, um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day <laughs> to listen to this podcast.
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay. Shandy. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? The best way probably to
1: connect with me in general is obviously on Instagram. That's where my main platform is. My Instagram handle is at S-H-A-I-N-D-Y. That's Changey. And then my last name, Plotzker, P-L-O-T-Z-K-E-R, music, M-U-S-I-C. It's one word. Um, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to obviously hear what you thought of the podcast. And um, my page is a private page because for religious reasons, I don't sing in front of a, you know, a male crowd. I only sing in front of females. So just... Direct message me that you're female and I'll accept your request right away. Um, My music is on streaming platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music. I do have some music videos that are out on YouTube. If you search my name, you'll probably find them. Um, As I'm saying this, I'm working on getting a website up. So I hope that maybe maybe it'll be up by the time this airs. But those are probably the best way to find my work. And uh, thank you. That's really nice. I appreciate you uh, taking a look and connecting with me.
0: Thank you so much for joining me tonight, Shandie. It was such a pleasure having you and hearing your story. You're seriously so inspiring and such a role model for women and girls all over.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Chami. I just have to say for one second that it's incredible. And I think this is what I was saying earlier, you know, how you take your abilities and you're just like, okay, what does the world need? How can I make the world a better place? How can I inspire people? Okay, I'm going to go and make a podcast. It's amazing. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts before and they're always so incredible and so inspiring and I just want to give a big like hand clap to you and a thank you for obviously inviting me. I'm so honored to be on this podcast. Um but thank you for for doing that. Thank you for you know using your 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 platform and using this space to just bring us so many amazing people and teach us so many incredible lessons.
0: So thanks. Thank you so much and thank God, right? Totally. Thank God. <laughs>